I love helping out other communities and other economic developers, especially new ones that are trying to navigate uh, the different waters of their communities. Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Welcome back. I'm here with Stuart McGregor. Stuart, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dane. Good to be with you. Glad to have you. I'm glad that we finally got this opportunity to talk. It's interesting. I started this podcast so that I would have a reason to talk to different economic developers. And you're one that was always on my list. Because I don't know if you remember, but we were both in OUEDI in 2017. And yeah, maybe Fort Worth. I, I don't remember where it was. It, I just remember that you were there. I was there. I didn't really get to talk to you, but I, you seem like everybody liked you. Everybody always wanted to talk to you. You had this sort of like contagious personality. And so I'm really glad that we finally get this chance to connect. Yeah, thanks. So you're there in Grand Prairie. Let's talk about, first off, why are you an economic developer? Why, <laughs> yeah, not, not so much like, how did you get into this, but why do you continue doing this day after day? It's funny. I think everybody gets into this field through some different way. Most people aren't born and grow up thinking, I want to be an economic developer for the day. So I'm in this field. I just fell into it. I like to think that the Lord had a hand in that too. I actually went to college. I, I grew up here in Texas. I'm about a fifth generation, at least native Texan. Grew up actually not the next door city to Grand Prairie in Arlington and went to school in West Texas at Abilene Christian University and actually studied ministry and political science. So I like to say I studied the two things you're not supposed to talk about and had different experiences on both sides of um, my majors there and got to meet a lot of great people too in those fields. And ultimately at the end of the day, whenever I graduated and everything, didn't really want to go into like youth ministry or something like that. Wanted to do maybe some other type of ministry. And that was right around the time that the legislative session for 2015 was about to get going in, in several months. So I had a couple of friends from back in Abilene that said, you need to get plugged in down there at the Capitol. You should get, you should, they're hiring like crazy. You need to get a job. I was like, okay. Worked through different connections and everything and landed myself a job working for um, a state representative from the Dallas area in his first session. Got some good experience there. Loved working at the Capitol. Loved working in that environment. It was a ball. I thrived off the energy of it. And then after six months of working there in Texas, they meet, of course, every two years for 140 days. Some people like to say that the state should meet for two days every 140 years. But I finished up the session, and it was a session-only position. And they said, you were great. We loved having you, but session's over. Your job's done. So I was like, man, I need something that I can have a little more consistency and has a little more longevity and a career path. A friend of mine actually told me, they said, you should look into economic development. And I used to work for a chamber. I really liked it. I think you'd really enjoy it. So I was like, okay, I know how to spell economic development. 
and actually had met an economic developer when I was in college. One of my classmates, her dad was the economic development director for a Fort Worth suburb here in DFW. And he was the only one that I knew in the field. So I actually reached out to him and I said, hey, I'm thinking about stepping into this field. Do I have a resume for this? Is this something that you could see me doing? And he said, oh, yeah. He said, you got the resume for this. It's just a matter of you finding the right place to work. Funny story is be careful who you meet because that guy is now my boss here in Grand Prairie, which is pretty cool. But prior to that, I was looking for opportunities and a job came open in Forney with their Economic Development Corporation, which is 20 miles east of Dallas. If you're familiar with DFW, it's wedged right in the middle between Mesquite, Rockwall, and Tyrrell. Very high growth area, transitioning from kind of that small town country feel into a major suburb of DFW. And there with my boss, Warren Ketteman, for almost five years. And funny story, his son went to ACU with me. <laughs> so all roads lead back to Abilene for my career when it comes to that. But I've really enjoyed getting experience in a lot of different types of developments. Uh, there, people didn't even know where Forney was when we go to Dallas and we talked to him, we were 20 miles away. So a lot of it was just getting our city on the radar of these developers and brokers and was blessed to be involved in several different initiatives with downtown revitalization and then ultimately several large distribution developments with Goodyear and Amazon. And then just being involved in the community was really fun. So I love being in economic development because at the end of the day, I feel like I'm somehow indirectly helping someone, whether that's find a job or whether that's helping the city with their overall physical health or helping to try to keep taxes somewhat low here, here in the Metroplex. The opportunity came up after I'd been with Forney for almost five years to come to Grand Prairie and do a retail office and hospitality. My boss, uh, my director here, Marty Weeder, he um, he had been doing some of that work for the last several years that he's been the director here, but they're trying to get more into the corporate relocations and additional retail developments. My position was basically created so that we could continue to build on the momentum that we've already had and, and capitalize on new opportunities that we have here in the city. We'll talk about that in a second, but let's talk about Grand Prairie just a little bit, because I'm yeah. sure that most people that aren't from Texas have no idea um, where it is. And it sits in a pretty important location. So why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so Grand Prairie, we are the first ring suburb of Dallas. And one thing that we like to say around here is this ain't your grandparents' Grand Prairie anymore. And I can literally say that because my grandparents used to live here until they passed in the mid-90s. And my dad grew up here. I've been a witness to seeing that change throughout my life. But yeah, we are right in the middle of 8 million people, as we like to say. We are, a lot of people think that we may be built out since we're in, since we're an old suburb of Dallas. But we actually have a lot of commercial land left. We stretch about 33 miles from north to south. So our city goes from just south of DFW International Airport, and it goes all the way down into Ellis County near 360 and 287. That's wedged in between Mansfield and Midlothian, if any of your listeners are familiar with DFW. We go pretty far south, and we have ETJ that stretches even further down from there. We, uh, there's, a lot of, there's been a lot of changes here. We have a great grid of highways, Interstate 30, which used to be the old turnpike back in the day that runs between Dallas and Fort Worth is here. Interstate 20 is to the south, and then there's uh, Highway 360 that kind of divides us and our neighboring city of Arlington. 
And then about 10 years ago, we had the extension of the George Bush presidential turnpike, Highway 161, through the heart of our community that goes all the way down to I-20. So we have a great network of transportation grids, which is really lent to some great industrial development here. We have one of the largest industrial parks in the state of Texas, the Great Southwest Industrial District that kind of straddles us in Arlington. My count, my counterpart that does the industrial recruitment here, she told me not long after I started, I manage 92 million square feet of industrial space. So anyway, it's we have a huge commercial base, huge um, was big on aircraft and aerospace and work on behalf of the the government, military service type industries. And we continue to have that here in our community. Lockheed Martin Missiles and Fire Control, they have their corporate headquarters here in Grand Prairie and have 4,000 employees. We have Airbus helicopters, their North American headquarters here. We have Saffron helicopters, Bell helicopter. We have a lot of aerospace, but we also have a lot of automotive too. So just over our city limit lines to the west in Arlington is the General Motors plant where they build Chevy Tahoes, Cadillac Escalades, all the different big SUVs. So we actually have a couple of uh, tier one suppliers to General Motors here in our city. One's Lear Seating that does a lot of the seats for those vehicles, as well as a company called Flexingate, which does a lot of the bumpers for those vehicles. We really like to capitalize that not only do we have a great distribution and e-commerce presence, but we have some really strong advanced technology STEM type employment here in our city. We have a lot of engineers and a lot of people are taken by surprise at that, but it's always fun to get to share that story and see people's perceptions start to change a little bit as far as the big things that are happening here in our community. We also have a huge diversity of not only people, but also a housing stock and demographics. I kind of like to say that if you come to Grand Prairie, you're getting the best of three cities in one because you can tap into a blue collar workforce, a white collar workforce. UTA is just down the road with very strong nursing and engineering programs. You have Dallas College, Dallas Baptist University nearby, so you can get to higher ed pretty easily. We have six school districts that serve our community, with Grand Prairie ISD, of course, being the largest. And then we have, we have some strong pockets of wealth, too. Back in January, we just had the Dallas Business Journal rank one of our zip codes as the number 11 wealthiest zip code in North Texas. Wedged between Frisco and Alito, which are uh, it's a good company to be with. So whenever we share that information with people who have been around DFW brokerage for decades, they're always taken by surprise, and it's pretty fun to get to be a part of helping change the change the image of our community and really cast it in a um, new light that's um, really helped to be the renaissance of growth that we're experiencing right now. That and you have that municipal water park that is to be envied. Yes, and I'll talk a little more about that with Epic Waters along our 161 corridor. There's a lot of uh, land there that's still yet to be developed. We had Epic Waters. The city bought that land back before that highway was even extended through our city and went out and basically passed a sales tax to help pay for it. And they bring about three hundred to 350,000 visitors a year to their indoor water park there. We have a couple other recreational facilities on that side as well. The Epic, which is we like to call a rec center on steroids. There's just all kinds of different activities that are done there. There's a demo kitchen that you can take kitchen and cooking classes with. 
And then there's also the summit, which we do not call a senior center. It is an active adult rec center for 50 plus uh, people. They can go there and they have a theater there. They have event centers, pickleball leagues, all those different things. But one of the things that we've actually been working on over the last several years has been developing the rest of that site with for-profit business. The voters, with that being Parkland, the voters allowed us to put for-profit business out there. And then just back about a couple months ago in May, the voters passed a $75 million economic development bond, which is going to go to help us build two hotels, uh, Homewood Suites and Hilton Garden with a 13,000 square foot conference center, which will really serve a lot of those employers along that corridor, especially Lockheed Martin and Airbus helicopters. And then we have several destination restaurants within the Dallas area that are going to locate out there. We got state legislation on the Qualified Hotel Project through the state of Texas that entitles us to the state share of the hotel occupancy tax and sales tax. So we are basically incentivized to bring in the highest and best use restaurants that we can possibly get there so that we can pay back some of those bonds with some of those funds. And then we also have under construction right now DFW's first chicken and pickle, which is a chicken, burger, salad type of restaurant, two-story restaurant, rooftop bar. And then with pickleball courts that are going to be able to accompany with that. And it was really funny when I found out we were getting that here when I first started. I actually took pickleball in college as a PE credit at Abilene Christian and had no clue that I was going to be using that course in my future work. So you never know what you take in college. It may You may end up uh, doing it in your job even if you didn't major in it. We still have a little bit of land left there that we're hoping can bring in a corporate office building to it. And then we have some great other developments along that corridor too. Ikea came along in 2017. It's rated one of the top Ikeas in the world. It brings in people from as far as wait to come shop there. During COVID, they were struggling to keep desks and inventory. They're doing great. We have living spaces. Their largest real estate portfolio is in Grand Prairie. They leased an 800,000 square foot building where they have their distribution component, but they also put in a retail component too. And we look forward to hopefully bringing about even more uh, great destination retailers and restaurants and that sort of thing. Because for so long, this community has been underserved when it comes to retail and restaurants. So it's exciting getting to be a part of, of that development piece as well. That's impressive. You blow me away. I knew that Grand Prairie was up to big things, but now I'm jealous. I remember at some point when I was looking for a job in Texas. There was something at Grand Prairie. It wasn't for the economic development. I think it was for the Chamber of Commerce or something. So I looked into Grand Prairie and I thought, wow, this is this has got some pretty interesting stuff. I had never heard of the city before. And uh, now that you describe it, I think, man, I maybe I should have tried a little harder to get a job there. Yeah, we're 200,000 people and we still have about an additional 21 square miles to the south of our city down there, as I was talking about earlier, that... <laughs> We'll probably accommodate another 100,000 more. So we're only about two-thirds built out, which is very exciting for a city as old as we are. Sure. And you're in charge of retail, office, and hospitality, BRE and attraction. So yes. what what does the attraction piece for you even look like? It sounds like they're all just coming. That's part of it. A lot of my job lately has been just keeping up with the different ones coming in, saying, hey, I want to build this here. I want to do this here. But a lot of it is also focused on working with the brokers. We have a lot of great brokers here in our community with, with all the big names, Venture, Segovia, CBRE, of course. So a lot of it's been over the last year that I've been here, 
just getting to know them or, or rebuilding those relationships from my previous community with them and, and then taking us in the right direction in regard to those types of developments. But it's also been planting seeds too. And that's a big piece of economic development. One of the things that, that my boss actually pointed out, and I got with one of our employees here at the city and put together a map that kind of illustrates it, is this destination retail triangulation map. So if you start thinking about DFW and where certain retail attractions are and looking at us, it creates this triangle. Grand Prix has an Ikea. Frisco has an Ikea. North Fort Worth at one point in time was supposed to get an Ikea. You have Grand Prix has a premium outlet, Simon Outlet Mall. Allen has a premium Simon Outlet Mall. Alliance area has an outlet mall. You look at just a variety of all these different groups in these cities and how the spacing, we're that southern gate when it comes to your destination retail that's going to draw from a customer base, not only the central part of DFW, but from the growing uh, southern portion of DFW as well. It's been planting those seats with some of those other destination retailers that we don't have here yet that we are working to hopefully attract here someday. But it's also been in just managing what we have right now. We have a lot of neighborhood service centers, a lot of older shopping centers that have grocers in them. We just announced back in October that Sprouts was going to bring their first store to our city in an old second gen uh, shopping center that was built in the 1970s. And it wasn't necessarily a site that, that I thought would be one that Sprouts would look at. But it was just a few blocks off of that 161 corridor. Getting to be a part of the revitalization efforts, too, that's going on right now has been pretty eye-opening and exciting, too. So a lot of my job this last year has just been on that. Of course, with COVID, it's been difficult to get out and actually do stuff. And I, I just attended my first chamber lunch about a month ago. So that was, that's been good to actually start planting more roots around this community and, and everything else. So you've talked so much about all your wins and all the great things that are happening. Let's talk about ones that, things you didn't win, ones that, ones that got away. You know, yeah. Any good stories? Yes. So in Forney, we had a couple of really good projects that came through when I was there. We were marketing an 800-acre industrial park uh, that was privately owned by Herbert Hunt, the big oil man out of Dallas. Super nice, genuine guy in his early 90s and shows up to work every day. But we had a, a prospect lead through the state that came through about, well, this is probably around 2017, maybe. And it was called Project Rocky Mountain. And it was billed as this semiconductor manufacturing plant. They were looking at making about a $6 billion investment. They needed access to a lot of water and a lot of wastewater infrastructure. And it, it was not Samsung. I know that Samsung's been in the news lately, but it was not them. But we, we saw that lead come through. They were needing about 400 acres. And we're like, we have the land and we may be able to get them some the, the right water supply whenever with the upgrades that we need to make. And we talked to our city manager at the time. He's, I don't really know of any other CMDFW that's plug and play ready for something like that. Go ahead and throw it in. So we threw in our site at Gateway Industrial Park and about two Weeks after we submitted it to the state, we got a call and it was their site selector saying, we're going to be in Forney tomorrow for a site visit. So we were like, clear the calendar. This is big. Let's see what they're wanting to do. So they came in and they were talking about what they would need as far as dual service power. They would need, they were going to store 8 million gallons of water underground and use about 4 million gallons a day of water as part of their manufacturing process. They were going to do 
hire about, I think, 4,000 people at Buildouts. It's just going to be this massive deal. So we're like, wow, we'll run some traps and we'll see if we can support something like that. And a lot of times those ones that got away are always some of the best ones to work on in this business because they really show you how much your community can handle when it comes to development like that. You learn a lot about your infrastructure, about your capabilities, about all of those different things. So whenever we were, were doing that, we, we learned you know, we have access to water. Water was not an issue for us. The, the city fathers before us had put in place all of those initiatives as far as water supply went. Wastewater was not a problem. We just had to get the right size lines to them. Encore Electric, of course, with Texas and the, the way that our grid worked. That was pre the winter storm, but they could supply the electricity to the site. And we had a couple different substations that could lead in with those two dual fed lines. So we learned a ton about uh, the capabilities. And, and in the middle of all that, we got a call from them one day after we'd sent them all that information. They said, OK, you are our last site standing in the state of Texas. It's you, it's Arizona, and it's Washington that you're competing against. So we felt like we were in a pretty good position just because they already had some operations in the Western United States. And with Texas and the great business climate we have here, we thought that we might be able to, to land it. And in the me- meantime, the press in their home country in Asia found out that they were looking at the United States to expand and just beat them up and said, how dare you leave our home country and look somewhere else for this site because you employ so many of our citizens and everything else. They ended up locating uh, in their home country, unfortunately, and we lost out on about a $21 billion investment. (laughs) But they built a lot of those facilities, and they're actually building one in the Phoenix area right now and doing one of those developments there. So, I mean, that that industry is on fire. So that, that was one that got away. And then another one that we had was we had a expansion possibility of one of our manufacturers in Fortnite and was looking to do a very large multi-million dollar expansion and hire about 200 new people and got through the entire negotiating process with their site selectors from Ernst & Young and presented our, our final package to them. And then we just sat and it was crickets and they were looking at other areas where they might invest or if they'd expand this facility. and. From what I understand, I think that they basically ended up just not doing anything. So they didn't leave the community, which is great. But at the same time, they didn't expand, even though they had the land that they could expand on. But that was another really good one that we learned a lot about ourselves as a community in, in the midst of all of those different things. That is interesting. And that, that's a very good perspective to circle back to the to your first one that got away. Having a large project or the potential for a large project forces you to really dive in and figure out what your assets are and what your strengths are and what you don't have available. It would be so much easier, I think, in this whole profession, if we had access to that information, all that if we didn't have to go out and find it, if that information was just available for us all the time, this would be so much easier. But maybe if that was the case, we wouldn't need economic developers on the ground in in various communities. So I guess that's good and bad. But also, it is interesting to find out who you are as a community, what kinds of things you will accept and what kinds of things are just complete no-goes. I'd imagine that you have had to interact with a number of elected officials in your roles. I'm sure that when you were in this project, these projects in Forney, it wasn't just you and, and your boss alone. You were dealing with the the city council and and whoever. What was that 
What was that like? And how did you make sure to share the right kinds of information with them? Because I could imagine city council has a city councilman has a $21 billion project potentially hanging around, dangling over him. That's exciting. And you don't want to necessarily share everything, but you have to share enough that you can get the resources that you need. So let's talk about that. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I like to say a lot of times in this business is you're only as good as your partners. And the first step is actually knowing who your partners are and actually getting, building that relationship with them before these projects come along so that they not only know that you're credible and that your community has some good things going on, but also knowing what you do so that they can be aware whenever you have something like that come along, that they can come alongside you and support you and provide you that information. So one of the things that we really worked on when I first started in Forney was building those relationships with the utility providers. The city had done a pretty good job as far as maintaining those relationships prior to my arrival there. And we did an annual utilities roundtable luncheon where we just get Encore and our electric co-ops and our water, well, rural water supply corporations all together just to talk to one another and visit. We'd provide them an update on what was going on. It was the same in working with the city engineer and all those different groups. But we also concentrated a lot on building those relationships with the state, with the governor's office of economic development, going down there once a year, taking them out to dinner, talking about what was going on in our community and some of the projects that we were seeing come across. And then also building relationships with our state policy leaders. We'd had a couple of changes in state reps. We'd had one and then uh, a previous one got reelected to the position and then he got elected to Congress. So then one of our own actually local residents got elected to the state house. But a lot of it was just visiting with them and telling them why we do what we do. Our state senator too out there. And they may have different philosophies as far as economic development. And is it making a difference at the end of the day? Or is the market just going to pretty much handle it all? And we don't need to, the city doesn't need to take the lead on anything like that. One of the things I like to say is you got to dance with the one that brung you. Your elected officials, as easy of a relationship as some people may have, or as difficult of a relationship as some people may have, you still, at the end of the day, have to work with them. And you got to find out what are those things that you can work with them on. They may be critical of tax incentives, but they may serve on the transportation committee for the state and can help you with a road issue that can get you access for a company coming in. They may be more, they may not be involved in any sort of local affairs. They may have just gotten elected to the state position because they may have been an attorney or, or somebody else that just wanted to serve their state. So they got elected to that position and are then having to learn a lot about not only state government, but also how local government interacts with the state too. Knowing kind of their background and how you can work together with them and continuing to keep a positive relationship with them. There's, there may be votes that they take that aren't supportive of your efforts or your community, but we were always intentional about they're our elected official. We're going to keep inviting them to ribbon cuttings and different activities of that nature so that whenever we do need them for a certain issue, they're going to have a positive view of our community, even though they may not have the most positive view of what we do as economic developers. And that was the spin that we took on it whenever we worked there in, in trying to show them what was going on and trying to quantify our value of what we do every day 
not only with the elected officials, but sometimes it's also with your council. Sometimes it's with staff members at the city, or it's just with some of your leaders in town that, that kind of help, help move the city in, in a certain direction. Going and speaking to the Lions Club or speaking at your local chamber is great for especially smaller communities where people know each other, but they may not know necessarily about what you do as economic developers. I'll tell a funny story. I went with my boss one time to speak at a Lions Club event in town. And of course, a lot of those municipal clubs, they're a lot smaller than they used to be. They're a lot older than they used to be. But they asked us to come speak about economic development. So we thought, what can we talk about? Maybe we talk about incentives and how incentives work and everything. So there were probably about 25 people in the audience. And we were just talking about, you know, what incentives do and, and how they function and what they are and what they aren't and that sort of thing. And we finished up and asked him about any questions. And there was a guy in the back of the room that raised his hand. He said, yeah, I want to know, when are we going to get our ne- a bronze around here? which is a, a big ice cream and uh, dairy retailer uh, here in Texas and Oklahoma. And we just I came away from that kind of laughing because it's, if you talk about some of the technical aspects of economic development, it's not something that a lot of people can easily pick up and understand. It's very, it can be very difficult at times. It can be very technical at times. And the most visible form of economic development in a lot of people's minds that of the average citizen is, oh, we're getting a new restaurant here. That's really exciting. So it keeps you humble as far as as far as at the end of the day when um, working with people in the community, when they think more with their stomachs than they do with about the nuts and bolts that, that we have to work with where it's manufacturing or industrial or office relocations or things of that nature. Having that intel at the grassroots level is always important in working with all those levels of people from billionaires and elected officials down to your mom and pop shop and your average Lions Club member. I think you've encapsulated so much in, in this talking. Your stories are, are captivating, but they are they're absolutely true. This is for the for the average Joe on the ground, what we do is about giving them the excitement of seeing this new restaurant open up on the corner. Interesting. Interesting. Let's see. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you about that we really should talk about? Because you've been a fantastic guest. Thanks. Let me think. Did you think of a favorite book? So, okay, on on my favorite book, I will tell you, I have not been the best reader over the last year. Because One, because I've been, I started a new job here and then was taking my, studying for my certified economic developer exam. <laughs> I would say that a favorite book over the last year have been the IEDC manuals of learning all of those different things. But I'm really staying up to date on current events. So I, I do a lot of reading of what news, specifically what's going on around the state. I don't pay a whole lot of attention to a lot of the national news because it's just, it's de- one that's depressing and two, they're not getting anything done. So I, I keep track a lot with the Texas Tribune. They do a lot of good stories as to what's going on at the state so that I know what's coming down the pike for local communities too, as well as a website called Forum Report that is a Texas legislature insider kind of news thing where you can you know see what's going on specifically with like state agencies and the legislature. So that's always good too. And when I was in Forney, I kept track of a lot of the legislative stuff for the communities and the cities whenever I worked down there and going down there on the opening day of the session, handing those staffers to my business partner saying, hey, I've been in your shoes before. 
If you ever have a question about economic development, give me a call. Love to always be a resource if I can, if you have any bills that you're not sure about. I serve on the Legislative Affairs Committee for Texas Economic Development Council and get to be involved with that. And going back to why we do what we do, I think the the future of economic development is going to be very critical, especially from a policy perspective. I know with you and I both working in Texas, especially down where you are, the legislature did not renew Chapter 313 agreements that have been a really big boost for capital intensive investments like those petrochemical plants down there or Tesla or some of these other ones. Being able to work on our side and try to share that information as far as the importance of those things with our legislators is, I think, going to be even more important moving into the future of economic development as people may bring a more critical eye to the use of tax dollars and are we getting what we're supposed to be getting out of these? Are they being used efficiently and actually bringing about the goals and the developments that that we need in this state? I think that's going to be another crucial uh, piece. And I think economic developers need, if, if they're not already involved with staying up to date on the latest trends in their states or in their regions, it's going to become even more important in the future. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. If anybody has any questions about any of this, even if they're not in Texas and they want to reach out to you, what is the best way that they should do that? Are, are you saying if they want some free consulting? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> Let's say they're, they want some consulting and they don't yet know if they're going to pay you. Sure. No, I, I, I love helping out other other communities and other economic developers, especially new ones that are trying to navigate uh, the different waters of their communities. So they're more than welcome to uh, email me. Uh, and I, th- I believe, Dane, you have my email that you can share with I this. Do. Or uh, you can call me on my cell. Feel free to give me a call one day. You know, I've, whenever I was in Forney, there was a community to the south that was of us that was in high growth mode as well. But they were probably about 20 years behind where we were as far as their evolution as a community. And they said, hey, can you just come down and talk to our board about economic development and this and that? So we go down there and the town's about 5,000 people and we're meeting the the mayor over at the diner in town and then walking over to the elementary school because their council chambers can accommodate a, a joint meeting of the council and the EDC board. So we had it in the, the cafeteria at the school and giving them a presentation on economic development. That's a lot of fun. And I'm always, always willing to talk to people about uh, their experiences and willing to lend an ear or even if they just need to uh, vent, because I know that's sometimes important for economic developers too. So yeah, feel free, feel free to reach out to me anytime. Thank you, Stuart. This has been a great conversation. Now I understand why everybody likes you so much. You are just... Full of information and my head is spinning from all the things that you've said that and I'm sure that I'm going to have to reach out because you sound like an excellent resource that understands everything that's going on in Texas. So I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been fun and best of luck to all your efforts down there in Galveston County. I know y'all are getting some good stuff down there too. Thank you. Yeah, we are. We, We try. That's right. We all try. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.